Welcome to Gospel Tangents, the best source for Mormon history, science, and theology, and first daily Mormon history podcast. I'm Rick Bennett. I'm excited to conclude our conversation today with uh, associate of September 6th and theologian Janice Allred. In our final conversation, we're going to talk about how Janice views the church today and also why she continues to go to a church that excommunicated her. So I'll also ask her if she has any advice for LDS leaders, especially on how to deal with those who are excommunicated. So you won't want to miss this conversation. Check it out. Do you have any thoughts on the church today? Has it changed uh, in any way closer to any of your positions uh, that you got in trouble for? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are different. There are definitely changes, which we can look at and say these these are for the good, and some of those have have to do with women's position in the church. But I still see that there is this authoritarianism and this um, orthodoxy, shall we say, in terms of beliefs. So yes, many changes have been made. However, do I think the church is closer to being the true church of Christ? No. <laughs> is the church in apostasy? The church is always in apostasy. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the things I said. In my paper that got me in trouble. Any, <laughs> anyone who has read the scriptures knows that the church always goes into apostasy. <laughs> that doesn't mean every person who is in the church is in apostasy. But yeah, I can see definite signs that the church as a whole is in apostasy. And one of them is that the leaders of the church require the members to say that they're prophets, seers, and revelators when they clearly are not. <laughs> You know, I always like to look at the community of Christ, and even there's a remnant church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Independence. I just interviewed their prophet a few weeks ago. Oh, did you? Terry Patience, his name is. They have, hopefully I have my numbers right, 161 revelations. The community of Christ has 156, if I have that right. Hopefully I have that right. And we're stuck at 138. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, so that's interesting. The, the community of Christ is, is an interesting group. And, you know, one of the reasons I would not go to them is they have moved away from regarding Joseph as a prophet and um, the first vision and, you know, the Book of Mormon. They've moved away from all of that and have positioned themselves more in to mainstream Protestantism, which is, they have many good things, but to me that's one reason why I wouldn't be interested in joining them. So would you view them, because I'm trying to remember, was it President McMurray wanted to make them a prophetic people? And, you know, they've had, since the 1990s, probably at least a dozen revelations. Um, the remnant church... Mm -hmm. It's funny because they think that the community, the RLDS church went into apostasy yeah. back after Israel Smith. I think he was the last prophet. Uh. They didn't like Wallace or, or the next Wallace, the next Wallace's, um, especially Wally B, who allowed women to hold the priesthood. Right. I, I, I would guess that that's one of their main disagreements with them. But yeah. I don't think it's their main one. I think the moving away from Joseph as a prophet is well definitely but they threw out everything from uh, 
Israel forward. And then they've added a whole bunch more revelations. They recently, uh, Terry Patience has added, I think he said five, if I remember right. And they have a room in their headquarters that uh, he wanted as a school of the prophets. And it's kind of Kirtland looking. (laughs) Due to the structure of the building, they couldn't put pulpits at both ends. So they have them in the front uh, just because of the way the layout was. Uh, but it was interesting to me, you know, the fundamentalists, they're every, at Lindsay Hansen Park jokes that uh, you, you throw a rock and you're going to hit a prophet, uh, especially down in like Short Creek and places oh, really? like that. Um, and we're really, you know, we haven't had anything since really 1978, right? Yeah. Um, would you view some of these others as prophetic? I would have to look at the prophecies and see, you know, I couldn't say it's it's possible, but I don't know. Oh, I know the community of Christ, you think they've moved too much away from Joseph. Right, right. Um, but, um, well, I I know uh, women and priesthood is a big deal with Margaret and yeah. Maxine. It, it is for me too. And you too. The community of Christ do, do, does ordain women. That's right. Is, is, is that a good move? I think it's a good move, but... Um, to me, moving away from, from the revelations of Joseph is, is not a good move. Okay. And for me, giving women the priesthood needs to be done firmly in the context of what is priesthood through the revelations. So I think this is true for Margaret, too. From the beginning, <clears throat> so Margaret did a lot of really foundational work on women in the priesthood, and she did it... Um, through the teachings of Joseph Smith and the early temple endowments, that was that was her her basis for what she what she did. And both she and Paul use scriptural texts to to as foundation for their teachings. And this is true for me too. It's never been we think women should have the priesthood because we believe in equality. It's always been let's look at the scriptures, let's look at the revelations, and see if there is. A foundation for this in the scriptures, and yes, there is, <laughs> and that's the that's the wonderful thing. But um, and I don't know I don't know enough about the community of Christ and why they did it uh, to say whether they did it through revelation and understanding of the nature of priesthood, or whether they just felt that this was a good move to make because it gives equality. And I agree with that, but still, to me, there needs to be. Priesthood, priesthood power comes from God, and you need to have a clear foundation. So you would recognize them as prophets, seers, and revelators necessarily? Not necessarily. I, you know, you, it's very possible that they have two revelations. You know, that's possible. I don't know without looking at them. Mm-hmm. But I will say this about the LDS Church, which to me is very important. One thing that we have done, which I think has kept us closer to God and receiving God's blessings. We continue to teach that Joseph Smith was a prophet. We continue to accept the Book of Mormon as scripture with foundation in history. We continue to accept the revelations of the Doctrine and Covenants as coming from God and the Pearl of Great Price as scripture. To me, that is really, really important. And that's why I stay 
And that's why I think the church continues to be blessed. You know, at Sunstone, there's a, every year they have a Why I Stay. Have you ever given one of those? No, because they do, they've never asked me. Maybe they don't think I stayed. I don't oh, know. Oh, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a suggestion. <laughs> because it's still amazing to me. You and Levina and Margaret and Paul, too, they they don't go to church, no. like. But you and Levina just amaze me that you continue to go to church every week for thirty years. <laughs> That's right. How how do you do that? Why do you stay? <laughs> well, it's really interesting. I after I was excommunicated, I I just I stayed because I wanted to. This is I mean, your home. I stayed because I wanted to, and then you know as time goes on. And, it was very difficult at first, but you know, things got better. I'm accepted in my ward now. Uh, most people don't know that I'm excommunicated. Oh, how would they know? I mean, it's not. They've moved in and don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's people. You ask September sixth, they've never heard of it. They don't know. Yeah. A few people would, would. The older people know. The older people, the ones who've been, they know. So, but they treat you pretty well too. Oh yeah, I'm treated fine. Uh, but, I asked you, do you have ministering oh, yeah. sisters? Oh, so that come? interesting. I always said to the bishop, yes, I will accept, of course. But I didn't have any for a long time. Oh, yeah. No one came. Do I know why? No, I don't know why. You probably have a good idea. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because the bishops, again, they never followed the handbook according to what they were required to do for an excommunicated person who attends church. Is um, that in the handbook? <laughs> yes. There's oh, a, it is? They are supposed to meet with them regularly, especially meet with their spouse and children. Oh, that's right. I remember you writing about that. They didn't. He, our bishops didn't do that. Bishop Hammond, of course, who excommunicated me. You know, they're in for five years. He met with me once or twice, but he did not fall through. It was too painful for him, and I don't blame him. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, hold, I don't hold it against them. But it's clear that they have neglected their duty. <laughs> so one of the bishops did meet with me a couple of times and attempted to, um, you know, bring me to... Help you to repent? Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but the last three or four have never even asked to talk to me. <laughs> They're friendly. They say hello. <laughs> Do I need to send a transcript of this interview too? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no, I understand why they don't, but, you know, they haven't done that. <laughs> so it was maybe maybe five, six years ago, Relief Society President found a visiting teacher for me who is my ward choir director and my friend. Oh, nice. So she comes by herself, and we meet together about once a month and talk for about two hours. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Is this like a home teaching or ministering thing here? Um, it's it's what I say is they found the person that did not want to visit anybody to go to the person nobody wanted to visit. <laughs> and we do fine together. I don't know if that's true or not. But she's a wonderful person and a lovely friend. And we have a, a really good relationship. I don't know if they've ever tried. She doesn't have a partner. <laughs> which is fine because we don't want to impede the, the flow of our conversation. <laughs> we have, 
you know, visiting, they call them ministers now. Yeah, you know, my husband's a member. We have home teachers that come regularly. Oh, okay. The ones so we have, the home teachers, did they ever stop? No, they always came. And a couple of them made efforts to, to um, proselytize me, but not too much. <laughs> no, most everyone has forgotten it now, you know. It doesn't come up very often, except a few years ago. This was maybe 10 years ago. I had a friend in the ward. She was much younger than I, and uh, we became close friends. And she was in the ward nursery, and she asked me to substitute for her. And uh -huh. so I thought, how am I allowed to do this? I thought, it's okay, I'll just... So I did it once. And then she asked me again, and I thought, uh -huh. Okay, I've got to be careful about this. I don't want to. So I said, I told her. I so you were excommunicated. Yeah, and it was so, it was so crushing to her. But I said, you know, we've got to ask the bishop if it's okay. He said no. I was really. Not, I was not allowed to You're substitute. You're infecting the little two-year-olds. I was not allowed to substitute in the nursery. Wow. I get along very well with small children. <laughs> <laughs> I love them very much. And they do, you know, they respond to that. They respond to somebody who is quiet and listens to them and cares about them. <laughs> no, that was, to me, that was totally shocking. But, you yeah. know, that, that was hard because, you know, she respected me and thought of me as a good person and a faithful church member who knows the scriptures really well. <laughs> so that was hard for her. So I don't tell people, you know, but if it comes up, if somebody asks me, of course, I'll tell them. I'll be honest, you know. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, not that they'll listen, but do you have any advice for church leaders? <laughs> the first, the, the most important thing I would say is they need to be um, honest and truthful. They need to say very clearly, you think of us as prophets, seers, and revelators who are in regular contact with Christ, who receive revelations. We are not. We are your, We are leaders. We are doing our best. But we need to. We need to change that. that. The authoritarianism in the church is still very serious. And that would be my first advice is be honest. Say what's really true about you and your relationship to God. Be honest about what? Uh, inspirations, you know, everyone has inspirations. I'm not going to say they don't have those. But if you have a revelation, so I define a revelation as an objective experience in which you clearly see uh, a person, a divine or angelic person, or hear clearly the voice of a divine or angelic person who speaks to you and says something. Or you see something. That's, that's a revelation. We all have inspiration from God in the Holy Spirit. That's important. But a revelation has a special place in, in doctrine. And if they have revelations, they need to... What's the purpose of having a revelation? Joseph was very clear on this. If you have a revelation from God, which is for the people, you, you tell how you got it, you give the words, and then you give it to the people. And that's what they should do if they have them. I don't see any evidence that they have revelations. They may have inspiration. 
that's between them and God. But the revelations, if they're called of God, they should be given to the people. That's my view. All right, I want to close on one last question. Um, I have a friend, Kurt Frankham. He has a podcast called Leading Saints, and one of the things that he does is he talks about every calling in the church. How can you be a better bishop, Relief Society president, young women's, young men's? He he neglects family history. <laughs> <laughs> I had to invite myself on to have him talk about family history. But one of the things, I mean, he talks about drug use, sexual um you know, immorality, that kind of a thing. Like, how do, how do we minister to those people? I'm pretty sure that it hasn't come up. How should you minister to somebody who's excommunicated? <laughs> <laughs> so in this little mini episode of Leading Saints, what would you say, if, if Kurt was here, what would you say to him and his audience? How can we better minister to someone in their situation? That's a really good question, and I've actually thought about it. And one of the reasons why I, I, you know, I forgive and excuse my church leaders is, is one of the purposes of this care for and kindness to the excommunicated person who comes to church is the idea that you are helping them to repent so they can come back into the church. Clearly, that's not going to be the case with me. I'm not going to come back into the church for the reasons that I have given. <laughs> you come to church, you're just not baptized. <laughs> exactly. So what could they do for me? I think one thing that would be really... One thing, of course, is I'm allowed to, to uh, speak, make comments in Sunday School and Relief Society. That's very good. You know, I try, I try to say only things that will be helpful to people. And I love to, the scriptures, so, you know, I am very happy to do interpretations of scriptures if the Sunday school teachers don't get too far afield, <laughs> which they often do. But, so that's a good question. How, how could one thing would be very important to me? And this may not be true for all people, but the bishop could say, you're allowed to take the sacrament. Oh. A bishop would have that authority, I think. And if the bishop could, and this is my situation. Now, for somebody who is trying to get back into the church, it might be different. Um, Do you have any advice for maybe the excommunicated member who doesn't come? How could uh, people minister to that to that person? You know, it's it would be different for church leaders and and ward members. Award members should continue in friendship. You know, if the excommunicated person has is given, I don't know if they would be given, you know, ministers or sisters. I don't know. Well, you have a minister, so I, I do. apparently it's okay. It's possible, yes. <laughs> so, but I'm not, I, sometimes I'm on the role of the Relief Society, but I'm not now. So I have no idea why I'm sometimes on and sometimes not. <laughs> They probably, so, I, I doubt you're on the official church roster. They'd probably have to add you. It's very interesting because, like I said, an excommunicated person is not a non-member. They keep track of you. <laughs> you can't just, you can't just get baptized, for instance. <laughs> you have to be rebaptized. So yeah, you're, even though you're <clears throat> officially off the church records, you're still there. 
Yeah. You're still an excommunicated non-member, excommunicated person, whatever you want to call. So really, I think the, you know, the circumstances are going to be very different for different people. The best thing is to be kind and uh, pray, follow the Spirit, what the Spirit tells you to do. In the Spirit, pray and follow the Spirit in the Spirit of humility, because it may not be what you think. That, that person may not need what you think they need. That's what I would say. Oh, great. Did we miss anything? Is there anything we missed? Oh, we, we probably missed many things, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about many things. <laughs> All right. Well, should we, should we change the name to the September 8th to add you and Margaret in there? I'm happy to join the September 6th if they're happy to have me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Michael Quinn's gone, so uh, one of you can substitute for him, I guess. That, yes. And then, uh, or maybe we should just call it the September. Let's call it the September. Seven, seven and a half. Eight is fine. <laughs> Michael's still a member, even though he's passed on. That's going to happen to all of us, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Janice Allred, thank you so much for your graciousness and your wonderful time here on Gospel Tangents. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed being here and talking with you. Oh, thanks. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Janice Allred. Janice, thank you so much for your hospitality and sharing your story with us. Really, really appreciate that. So in our next conversation, we're going to continue with the September 6th, and this time we'll talk to Janice's brother-in-law, Paul Toscano. Don Bradley and, and Denver Snuffer have recently said, have taken issue with this idea that that the Book of Mormon is Trinitarian, um, and that they they say that that if you look at the Book of Mormon, it, there's there's a lot of Godhead theology, and I believe that's your position as well. It is, and I had this position in the 1960s. Okay, I mean, I these guys are new. <laughs> I've been in trouble for this since the 60s. <laughs> if you'd like to hear the entire interview uncut, subscribe on either Patreon or at GospelTangents.com. For just $5 a month, you can hear the entire audio uninterrupted. On our $10 tier, if you'd like to see the whole video, you can see that uh, either on YouTube.com slash GospelTangents, or I've got a special Facebook group devoted for uh, full videos. So subscribe at gospeltangents.com and uh, sign up for just $10 a month. For $20 a month, if you'd like to get some bonus content, uh, maybe some of the stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor, you can sign up for that. And then if you'd like to talk to me for $100 a month, we'll, we'll do a monthly phone call on something like Zoom and you can ask me anything you want. So Thanks again. Also, don't forget about the merch, mugs, t-shirts, hats, things like that. I'm trying to get the ties up there. Hopefully I can get up up there. And uh, thanks again for watching Gospel Tangents. And click here for some more videos.